sound booth. I'm going to try and operate just from the pulpit mic today rather than try and test drive all the fixes you uh, enacted on the wireless mic uh, out loud. We've had trouble the last couple weeks. Um, surely user error, be that as it may. Could you hear in that song, could you hear in all of our songs, could you hear in the silences and in the testimonies and in the prayers a vision for what church can be and what church is? Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. When we open our Bibles to 1 Peter, and I encourage you to go ahead and do that, Peter is writing to a, a large scattered gathering of Christians here and there around the Eastern Roman Empire in what is now Turkey. And as he greets them, in my mind's eye, and I always paint, you know, word pictures. Um, I'm not a quantitative person in that sense. All I can see are just sort of scattered stones. If you got a handful of stones and you threw them out across the yard, Peter is writing to each individual stone. And even more, inviting them to carry forward the blessing that Jesus gave him. You remember in the Gospels, upon this rock I will build my church. It's Peter who then takes that calling and he reminds them that each and every one of them are living stones, part of the building God is making. A house of, of worship, a house of peace, a house of reconciliation, a house of forgiveness, a house of salvation, a house that if it could be, would contain the entire world. That's the house God is building. And surprise of surprises, God has chosen people like you and people like me to be fundamental building blocks in that project. Hear these words. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We'll conclude there for today. I want to focus for just a minute or two about the idea of being chosen. You are a chosen people, and we can't help but imagine ourselves again on the playground, fingers crossed, hoping against hope that we're not the last one to be brought to one side or the other of the dodgeball game. To be chosen means that someone else doesn't get chosen. And that's hard news in this world. But can we imagine the sort of space where our chosenness does not mean others are not chosen? But instead, in embracing our chosenness, it becomes our vocation, like Jesus, to reveal to others their chosenness. 
That's how Henry Nouwen talked about it. Being chosen expresses a special relationship, being known and loved in a unique way, being singled out. In our society, our being chosen always implies that others are not chosen, but this is not true for God. God chooses his son to reveal to us our chosenness. In the kingdom of God, there is no competition or rivalry. The son of God shares his chosenness with us. In the kingdom of God, each person is precious and unique, and each person has been given eyes to see the chosenness of others and to rejoice in it. So being chosen does not mean that others are not chosen. It's not like pie at Thanksgiving. When you take your slice, it doesn't mean someone else has to go without, but instead it calls for us to receive a deep awareness and to embrace a deep truth about our lives. And Jesus said it this way, you did not choose me, I chose you. And I've appointed you to go and bear much fruit. So I want us to hang on to five words today when we think about chosenness that are sort of drawn from this very brief reading from 1 Peter. Words are these, purpose, righteousness, unity, witness, and transformation. We are chosen for a purpose and we are chosen on purpose. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is not an arbitrary choice. God has given us something to do. We are chosen for righteousness. And when the scriptures talk about righteousness, it is so often aligned with God's own will and work to be in tune with God's call, God's law, God's will, God's way, and to live according to that way is what the scriptures call righteousness. We are chosen for that way of life. And of course, Jesus reminded us that sometimes it is the righteous who receive persecution. Blessed are you, he said, when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And it is our calling to live out loud in front of the world. Micah 6.8, God has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he quotes Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We are set apart to live that life out loud. Chosen for righteousness. Chosen for unity. We could hear it in the song, but have you ever thought about how extraordinary it is to gather as the church and to realize you never know who you're going to sit with? And regardless of your economic status or your background or even what lies ahead, how old you are, your gender, whatever it may be, that together we are drawn close, bound not by common achievement, but instead by a common grace that says you are welcome here. 
It's an uncommon unity. And we are chosen for that unity. We are chosen for witness that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness. That part of our life in choosing is telling the truth about God and what God has done in us. It's going to require telling the truth about ourselves, too. And yet, from the very beginning, Jesus has appointed those who receive that call to come and be a part of the church, who receive their chosenness, He's called them to be witnesses. You will receive power, he said, from the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. To live our lives so purposefully, we have the opportunity to declare the goodness and the grace of the one who has given us this life and this life together. Lastly, we are chosen for transformation. God's choice brings us from darkness to light, and our lives tell that story of new birth, of new life, of new opportunity that extends far into the future, beyond what we could imagine for ourselves, indeed into eternity, as we move from the darkness of our self-sufficiency to the light of God's own life. Do not be conformed to this world, the Apostle Paul told Christians in Rome, to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. God's choice of us is not static, it is dynamic, and it is a continual process of renewal. So you are a chosen people. God selects you with purpose and with righteousness, with unity, with witness and transformation in mind. It is not arbitrary. It is rooted in the way God is working in this world. It's good to be chosen. Sometimes we forget the blessedness that comes when we realize we've been chosen. I've heard more than one adoptive parent talk about that with their children when sometimes they wonder why they're sort of set apart in a a culture that so often privileges those who come the old-fashioned way. And I've heard adoptive parents say, well, all those parents had to take them. I chose you. And the kind of love that's embedded in that sort of relationship is a love that we receive when we embrace our chosenness. But this is the question I have for you. Is it pie? Or as you receive your chosenness, are you willing to help others discover theirs? A couple weeks ago, we discovered an amazing fact. That at homecoming, we had challenged the church to give $350,000 to help retire a good portion of our debt here on this construction project from 2017. We met it. We celebrated it. And by the end of that month, when it came time to refinance the note, we received another $142,600, moving almost half a million dollars against that note. I don't know how it happened. But I can't help but think that having some specific goals made all the difference. Last week, we hit a high watermark in terms of attendance on Sunday morning, at least for the fall. There were 128 people in the room. 
then another 20 or so logins online. I don't know how you count them. We don't know how many people watch Facebook. It's neither here nor there. Is that good or is that bad? I don't know. This is what I would like to put in front of you. And that's why I'm being so concrete about numbers today. I'm not a numbers person. But can you imagine being so captivated by this vision of chosenness, you can't wait to share it with somebody? Somebody internally we haven't seen in a while? Or maybe somebody out there with whom you have a relationship to say, I want to share this amazing experience of belonging, of chosenness, of a future. In the months of December, could we have 150 in the room every week? The choice is yours.